0: Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's
1: get ready to rumble! <laughs> <Yeah. It's back. laughs> Special technique of shadow bar.
0: What's up? What's going on? What's good? This is the first podcast of 2021 here and we are live uh, through uh, Blog Talk Radio and through YouTube. Uh, number to dial in 347-237-5539 347 237 This is the Boxing Source Radio Show? I am your host Shane Slevin, lead boxing analyst for the Core Truth on Sports, and the leader of the Boxing Source on social media. You can catch boxing articles and more through the theboxingsource.net, and we are on social media through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and on YouTube. All right, I've got a few things here that we're going to be talking about. Um, including, well, led by the um, main event that was over in Dallas, man. Um, We had the, uh, what apparently is the interim WBC lightweight championship fight between Ryan Garcia and Luke Campbell. With Ryan Garcia coming in there uh, with an unbeaten record, Luke Campbell there with the uh, losses, uh, you know, coming up short against the likes of, Jorge Linares against Vasiliy in an early, you know, loss uh against Sivan Mendy that he ended up, you know, uh getting a win over uh and you know when he did get that win that put him in position to, you know, fight for the world a world title once again, but you know uh after that uh you know, we you know, just basically, like, you know, fell short uh, to Lomachenko. So, after that fight, uh, you know, what happened there, whole thing with this uh, shut down. So, his first fight back is against Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia uh, did have his uh, first round knockout win last year over Francisco Fonseca. And he was, you know, put in a position to potentially fight Jorge Linares in, in July of last year. Jorge Lenares was involved in a co Beach bout two uh Garcia versus Fonseca uh on February fourteenth. Yeah, I think it was yeah, February fourteenth last year. So with that first round uh KO victory, you know, Ryan Garcia was picking up some momentum and some steam, and then like I said, you had the whole thing with the uh shutdown and um, you know, after that uh, we're trying to see about getting fights back on the scene, so um, looked like they were working on uh, Garcia fighting Jorge Nars, but that ended up falling through. And it looked like they <laughs> looked like uh, Garcia and Golden Boy were going through some stuff again. Uh, we kind of saw that last year uh, with Ryan Garcia and Golden Boy, um, but. He didn't get the Lenars fight. Linares uh, was supposed to fight Javier Fortuna, and uh, Lenares ended up being sidelined due to COVID. Um, so, so Fortuna ended up having another fight. Um, and so with that being said, we had the thing with Garcia, and then they announced that Garcia was fighting Luke Campbell. And it was supposed to be December 5th. But then Luke Campbell got hit with COVID. But they were able to reschedule about bout for you know January second. So it was the first uh major boxing event there in um you know twenty twenty one. And uh we saw you know this bout here with Ryan Garcia getting his first test against the world title challenger in Luke Campbell. And you know, leading into the fight, man, um there were a few people that felt like this could have been a little bit more than Ryan Garcia could shoot with Luke Campbell having the experience uh, that he had, of course, the amateur pedigree uh, there, and then, you know, having the professional fights that he's had. So um, a lot of eyes were seeing if Ryan Garcia could pass this proverbial test um, to move ahead there in the lightweight division. Um, Now, we had a good start there in those first couple of rounds um, and, and everything there. Uh, shout out to, you know, Boxing Logics United and the building peace and future lives some to you. Um, We just, uh, getting it in here just to talk about that Ryan Garcia, Luke Campbell fighting. You know, those first couple of rounds you have Ryan Garcia, you know, looking for uh, opportunities, open spots there uh, on Luke Campbell. And he was just trying to you know, connect with a lot of power shots uh, there. And the thing is, is um, he was able to do that, but also did get hit with a few jabs in those first couple of rounds. So you did see a few openings there by Ryan Garcia. Then uh, you had the thing that happened in the third round where I felt like, you know, Luke Campbell set up Ryan Garcia perfectly he was jabbing. Of course, he was trying to do his thing with the jab. He wasn't very active with the jab in the first couple of rounds, but then he was jabbing, and then he threw the right jab to the body, which brought down the guard of Ryan Garcia, and then came up with the left hand and bah. And cracked Ryan Garcia a good one to put him down on the canvas uh, there, and um, but You know, Ryan Garcia was able to get up. And, you know, with him getting up, he, you know, just seemed like he was caught with a good one. He was, you know, not really um, out of it. Like, his legs didn't seem out of it. It just seemed like he had to clear his head a little bit. And once he was able to do that, he went back to, you know, what he wanted to do, try to set up, you know, uh, Luke Campbell and throw a good amount of power shots there. I didn't really see, like, um, uh, anything that I was looking for up until the end of the fight, but going we'll to go into that later. Then in the fifth round, uh, Ryan Garcia was able to hurt Luke Campbell there near the end of the fifth round with a good little flurry. Um, and then he continued on that momentum in the sixth round, you know, trying to, you know, walk forward, walk forward, throw power shots, try to overwhelm. Um, Luke Campbell, uh, and then in the seventh round, he kind of like set him up with a great shot with the left hand. Looked like he was gonna lunge in with like a left hook, like a like a you know a uh, Joe Frazier, but ended up going low to the body, and that put uh, Luke Campbell down for the count there. So, Brian Garcia was able to get the win there with that seventh round knockout victory. One of the bring in, uh, from the 205 area code in here, man, this should be Mr. Mike Brady. What's going on, man? What's going on, JR? Doing pretty good, man. Uh, Happy New Year. Happy uh, everything else. Yeah, happy New Year, happy Kwanzaa, uh, and all that type of stuff there that's going on. What's up?
1: That much, that much. I heard your, um, you know, the uh, fight. Yeah, I think... You know, you hit it on the head. Uh, I'll just add a few points. In um, you know, with with uh, you know to your point, I'll just add a couple points to your point. So, Ryan Garcia first round jabbed a little bit, but you know, as the rounds went on, the jab was pretty much non-existent. And as you said, seemed to want to use power shots to kind of control the fight. Um, Luke Campbell saw that, you know, saw that, um, you know, another thing with Ryan Garcia, Ryan Garcia don't got a lot of head movement, Mm -hmm. Um, don't even got a lot of, like, waist movement, you know, so he, like, when when he ain't throwing his punches, which are fast, he's straight up and down. Yeah, Not straight up and down like, like how European fighters are, but he's like stiff. He, he don't move his head. He don't move. At least I didn't see him move much at the waist. Right. So with that said, a lot of times what he was trying to do was use his arms to like block punches. And so he would either block punches with a high guard or block punches by knocking uh, Luke Campbell's uh, arm down. And so, exactly like you said, Campbell jabbed to the stomach, and you know, um, Ryan Garcia thought that he was going to. Um, well, let me uh, different, different knockout. But he um, he jabbed to the stomach, and then the way that he was going, um, you know, what's his name tried to stick his arm out and stop his arm from getting around him. And so, you know, you trying to block a shot that you don't know where exactly where it's coming from. Mhm. It won't work every time. So he got around those arms. He literally like went around his arm and just hit him clean. And so as you said, um he pretty much got up and, you know, handled handled the uh recovery from that shot very well. His legs didn't look like there were two out of it and then I, I feel like he probably started winning around toward the end. But off yeah. the sake of, yep, yep, off the sake of getting the knockdown, I mean you just kinda had to give uh what's the name, the two point round. But I heard somebody say that one of the judges gave him a ten nine round. Yeah, it wasn't it enough is. it wasn't enough winning for him to get a point back. Like, you know, it should have definitely been a ten eight, but he definitely won that round, uh I mean sorry. He definitely uh started improving toward the end of that round. Um and somewhere in there he threw a bunch of shots. He did like the Anthony Joshua where he felt like he had Luke Campbell hurt and then he just went, you know, balls to the wall and tried to, like, really hurt him, throw a bunch of shots. Was that, was, was, did that happen before he got caught with this big shot? Did he did he go all out and then after that, that's when he got caught with that shot and got knocked down?
0: Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't necessarily, like, say that. I think he did that afterwards where – like um, like I said, like in the tail end of the fifth round where he looked like he did have uh, Luke Campbell hurt, and then he tried to go all out then to try to, you know, knock him down to score a knockout then. Um, but then yeah. the end of the round came, you know, so. Gotcha,
1: gotcha. Yep, and so with um, R- Ryan Garcia, like exactly like you said, the way he set up his shot, you know, um, he went to the body, but he never – did the going to the body in in like that one or two shot combo? So you know, and, and his like I I don't don't quote me on this because I wasn't looking for it, but I felt like his normal routine was to like jab and then you know go follow it up with the hook to the to the head. But then that particular time, you know, he jabbed and then he um you know looked like he like you said was going up to the head. And Luke Campbell was used to that, that same, you know, uh, string of punches. And so he blocked the high shot, and then what's his name, went, went low with the low hook, hook uh, you know, hook uh, or uppercut or whatever. And, you know, he hit him, and, you know, it was just like, you could tell there was a lot of power behind the shot. He mm. hit him with a power shot on his liver that he wasn't prepared for, and it was this murder she wrote. I wish, like, this tomato said something about Keith Thurman. We can talk all we want to about Keith Thurman, whether we think he's good or this or that or that or this, but one thing you got to say about Keith Thurman, when Thurman is going through the worst pain that he can feel in the boxing ring, he fights through it and, and, and pushes through and overcomes that pain. It's always mind over matter for him. He tends to always overcome, because we see body shots incapacitate people to where, like, you saw Luke Campbell, like, do I want to get up? Do I want to get up? Do I want to get up? He was thinking that. Do I want to get up? Do I want to get up? And finally, when he said he wanted to get up,
0: yeah. it was too
1: late. Finally, when he was like, yes, I need to get up, it was already too late. It was like a count of nine at that point. And so, um, you know, he tried to get up at nine, and by that time, it was like nine ten. you out. So Keith Thurman, man, is, uh, you know, a tough guy. Not to say he won't ever get knocked out, but – In terms of his will, that speaks to this man's ironclad will,
0: though. And other people who fight through that type of body pain like him. Well, I mean, uh, Thurman has, like, you know, taken a couple of shots there to the body, um, you know, a few times. And, like, he's been able to, like, you know, either shrug it off or, you know, not necessarily be knocked down from those because knocked down Against um, you know Manny Pacquiao happened because he basically got caught, you know backing up and getting hit up top. So, um, yeah. you know at least he you know was able to get through that and be involved in a close fight against Manny Pacquiao. Um, yeah, yep. but I, but I the got thing a comment
1: with, about Ryan Pacquiao once you get done.
0: Yeah, the thing with um, you know Luke, I I, I think with with um. You know, like you said with Ryan Garcia, he kinda like looks like he's straightforward in a lot of the things that he does. And you know, when you talk about him, you know, not necessarily moving his head or, you know, not moving his body very well, I mean that kinda goes into um has he really completely grasped everything from being in the camp of Eddie Reynoso, because, you know, not only is you know Eddie Reynoso his head trainer, but you know, um, Ryan Garcia is supposed to be, you know, the understudy for Canelo Alvarez, and there are a few things that Canelo Alvarez try, you know, tries to teach him a few tricks there, you know, as far as like working off of your opponent being a better counter puncher, um, you know, slipping punches or trying to dodge punches, and he didn't necessarily do that uh, in this fight, especially early, and I think that you know, after the knockdown, Eddie Renoso kind of like pointed that out so I'm like, like, that was something that he should have been able to see coming as far as like, tried to, you know, have his um, right hand up to kind of like, you know, block that um, left hand from Luke Campbell to prevent himself from being knocked down there. Um, But I think, yeah, with Ryan Garcia, he, he has a few things to kind of like work on because I really feel like he could get caught with some good shots from these other lightweights uh that are out there. I mean, with him having the position that he has right now, um, he's kind of petitioning to fight the likes of a Devin Haney or as he called out Gavante Tank Davis. And uh I'm gonna hold my thoughts on that till uh, later on in this podcast. But go ahead on Ryan Garcia.
1: Yeah, I was gonna speak on exactly that. I think that where he's at in terms of what I've seen from him, he don't he don't use the jab. He he's straight up and down. Don't move his head. Don't use waist movement to 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 like to. He don't use foot movement, waist movement, or head movement at defense. He uh he doesn't jab, and all he really throws is, is big power shots. I don't think it's gonna go well for him. I'm not. I'm not saying Devin Haney because I only watched two fights of Devin Haney, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't say necessarily impressed per se, but uh, Javante Davis. This, you know, I don't watch quite a few covered. Covered fights with you. Um, they need to. Yeah, I hear you. What What they talking about? Like I hear you talking, and it sounds good. But let's be real here. Let's be real. It's, at <laughs> certain levels for a reason, and you know, all, with these deficiencies that I see in him, don't jab, does not use foot foot movement as defense. Like he used, okay, let me let me let me rebuild that. He did use foot movement early, like he he tried to get away from from a couple shots by like you know taking two or three steps back. Um, so let's let's take away the foot movement. He tried to use foot movement, but no head movement, no waist movement as defense all he do is just lift his arms up and then or block the shot, and that he doesn't do that, like, great. Javante Davis, man, would hit him. And Javante Davis hitting guys his size ain't really fair from what I'm seeing from him.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, that that's the thing about that particular fight. I mean, I've, I've, I've said that. Um you know if if Ryan Garcia does step in the ring and, uh, against uh you know like a Tank Davis that he's going to you know have some serious serious issues uh there against the like of Tank Davis um but you know the thing about it is that that particular fight I feel like it might be the right time to make that fight um especially if on, on tank side, that is going to be, if he's going to be involved in another pay-per-view event. You know, he had his pay-per-view against Leo Santa Cruz, and if we kind of like follow the formulas, the so-called formula with pay-per-views, um, in a lot of cases, the most successful pay-per-views, or, you know, whether it's through pay-per-view buys or through, you know, ticket sales, is when you have someone that, you know, it's from, you know, one side of the spectrum going up against someone that's a, a, in the opposite side. So um, I really don't feel like they should wait out a, a fight of this magnitude because, one, the thing with uh, Ryan Garcia is that he he has momentum now, but I don't feel like with his frame that he's going to stay at 135 pounds that much longer. Uh, he has the frame, like him, along with Devin Haney, has the frame to go up to as high as 147 pounds within the next two or three years. So you're not going to get that with someone like a like a Gavonte Davis. Devante Davis is five five and a half. <laughs> so him being that lightweight, that's basically as good as it as it's going to get for him for him to you know operate at his peak ability. So. I'd rather, you know, have that fight happen now than later down the line. You know what I mean? So yeah, why, Let me why not just go ahead and have that fight happen instead of just, like, waiting it out and having Devontae Davis not, you know, figuring out who his next opponent is going to be in the lightweight division or – because I don't really see him trying to still be at super featherweight. There's really no – not that many options there at Super Featherweight for Tank to, to fight, uh, especially if you're going to try to keep him on pay-per-view like that. Like, you're not going to do that. So why not just keep him there like, at lightweight, have those potential opponents out there, the, the you know, the Ryan Garcias out there, the uh, Lomachenko's or, you know, somebody like that. Like That's, a, that's his, like, best uh, option right there. Yeah,
1: let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, strategically should they put Ryan Garcia in the ring? Who do you think stands to gain more from being in the ring in terms of not not just even from a uh, monetary stance and then like that, from a strategic exit and those where you at in your career to like, the likelihood of actually winning this fight. Who do you think stand the chance to win more at this exact point in their career, with the level of uh, skill and competition and preparedness for this fight? Who do you think stand to win to to uh, to to win more in this fight, with their level of preparedness?
0: Between those two? Yeah. Oh, Tank Tank Tank. Take should
1: take Tank. advantage of this ASAP. Hands down. So if Golden Boy is dumb enough to put him in the ring with a guy who, on paper, seemed to have all the damn chips in his favor, that that's not that's not a good look. Like that. Like I get it. You you like as a fan. Yeah, put the fight together. But right. Don't like as a golden boy as his matchmaker. Do not put that boy in the ring with Javante Davis. Not now. Maybe right. later. Maybe you say Javante, uh, meet me at a catch weight of one eight or something. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> one thirty five. You know what I'm saying? But right. don't put that boy in the ring with this guy. Like you know, you know your boy deficiencies. Renoso. You you know your boy. You know what what's his Achilles heel. Do not put that boy in the ring with Javante Davis. Like. That. Don't put him in the ring with Gerontae Davis Like He has a lot of buzz around him Like if you okay, He could lose and still be fine We all know that He he could have the Adrian Broner appeal Just because of his um Like Adrian Broner is fine because He do like stuff to, to like Stay in the limelight But him yeah. he's likable So people still are going to like him But um In terms of strategy Right Don't put him in the ring unless you want unless you're okay with him losing and and still um you know like hopefully not getting hurt too bad losing and then you know beating the next or fighting the next person well i mean uh,
0: yeah. it, i feel you in that sense because i think even even with that particular fight that Ryan Garcia could afford to lose that fight and still be you know marketable uh to an extent uh but to your point, I don't think that Golden Boy and Robert Diaz and Oscar De La Hoya and Eddie Reynoso will necessarily put Ryan Garcia in the ring against Levante Davis. They're not going to do that. Um, Also, I don't feel like they're going to put Ryan Garcia in the ring against Devin Haney next. Like, I don't see it. But because of that, In one way or another, Ryan Garcia does hold some type of leeway or leverage in the lightweight division because he has the marketability to bring people to watch his fight and to watch him to see him win. While, you know, Gervonta Davis doesn't completely have that, even though, you know, we saw what happened with him over in Atlanta. He doesn't completely have that. Um,
1: but I thought people they, support him very well. I thought people do support him in all his do, arenas in Baltimore do, and they well. They do
0: support him. They do support him to a to a certain level. But the way that they kind of like market him is not like you know everybody is what I would say. Um, like gravitating towards him to be a fan of his. See what I mean? Um. Gotcha, gotcha. And same case goes with Devin Haney, actually, to a bigger extent, because he really doesn't have that type of following like that. And, What's the name,
1: like, a band-type person? He, like, a, uh, not a YouTube, but an Instagram boy band, you know, flock yeah. to him,
0: <laughs> off of
1: stuff that has nothing to do with boxing type of person. Right.
0: Like, he has that teeny bop, what, the teeny bop following or whatnot, you know? What um, was that? Teeny bop or whatever they call that thing. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, but but Ryan Garcia, like he would be the the best. Like um, I wouldn't necess- necessarily say he's like a B side because in in the thing with Devin Haney, could you really say that he's a B side to Devin Haney? Probably not.
1: How could
0: they look always a heat of eight side to everybody? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean look, I mean, look, man, I mean it's Frank Garcia. Uh he has a he has a great following. I like, look at the people that came to the place. You know <laughs> Um and I really feel like if they – because with um Devin Haney, like Eddie Hearn said like he expects the WBC to, like, go forward to enforce, like, that mandatory challenge with Devin Haney and, and Ryan Garcia. Now, the thing with Garcia is he's the interim WBC champion right now for some dumb reason. And the WBC still has a mandatory challenger. Uh. And that guy is Javier Fortuna, and he basically called out David Haney on Instagram, uh, saying that um uh, he, he kind of called him a, a email champion, like uh like um Teofimo Lopez did.
1: A what champion?
0: Actually, he he called him a hotmail champion. Oh wow. I was like, I could not believe it, man. He's a ca- campeon de hotmail. Because the thing with um, Javier Fortuna is he's been the mandatory challenger since 2019. So, the thing is, he was waiting on his shot to fight Devin Haney after Devin Haney was you know, awarded the WBC lightweight title. So, yeah. And like I said last year, Haney went ahead and fought Yuri Gamboa. So I, I feel like the next fight for Devin Haney is going to be Fortuna. It's going to be what? It's going to be Javier Fortuna.
1: For Devin Haney? Yep. Fortuna is the uh, one who fought um, Robert, uh, Robert Easter. Robert Easter. Did he also
0: fight um Lomachenko Fortuna? Mm yeah, it must have been like a while if that was the case. Nah, he lost to Jason Sosa.
1: Fortuna is a Puerto Rican guy who got like a little tail or something
0: on the back and he fights sort of slickish. He's from the DR. he's from the D R. And he had like his fight, what was that? Um November twenty first. Over Can you
1: see if he fought Fortuna? Nah, he didn't. He didn't. Okay.
0: Nope.
1: But he fights sort of slickish, right? He fights slickish, right?
0: Yeah. Pretty much like slickish, but also has like a tough inside, you know inside game.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I think that'll be a good fight for uh david Devin. I mean Fortuna is a is a game and you know, he ain't no walkthrough.
0: Fortuna got knocked out by, by Tank. Nah, he got out st- by Jason Sosa. He, Fortuna didn't fight Tank.
1: What's the guy named Tank
0: knocked out? That was... Um, that was the... um uh, Shoot, the guy that... Uh, now, he's the one that fought um, Tank and Lomachenko. What's his name? Pedraza.
1: Pedraza, never mind. Uh, I forgot who Fortuna is. There. I'm thinking of Pedraza. All the way. Uh, yeah, don't don't worry about that. Uh, I'm definitely thinking about Pedraza. Pedraza is a good fight for him now. Like Pedraza ain't no like you know like that's not a guaranteed win, you know.
0: Yeah, and I mean he had that fight. he had a uh, you know good performance against Javier Molina last year too. So yeah, that would be a, a real good. Um, that would be a good opportunity, but I don't think Pedraza is going to be there at lightweight, though. He's he's kind of campaigning at uh, super lightweight now. So, gotcha. But yeah, Fortuna would would be the best bet for Devin Haney, and for um, you know, for uh Ryan Garcia, like if they they gotta see if um Linares is still you know available, he still could. You know, have that fight with Ryan Garcia. Because, like, he's someone that is a real, you know, very experienced, very slick fighter, very smart, did fight, you know, Vasilomachenko. um, knocked down Vasilomachenko at one point before, you know, losing by a 10th round TKO. Um, so, he would be another good, uh, measuring stick for Ryan Garcia to see where he is in the lightweight division. Um, because I, I I just don't see, like, a David Haney getting that fight next.
1: Yeah. Them guys could potentially lose their fight. I mean, they could knock him out, obviously. But I'm just saying, this guy could outbox them. Right. And, and win the fight against against probably both of them guys. I don't know. I mean, I, I need to see more of David Haney. Because that, that performance that I saw last time just didn't wasn't a lot of, I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, get, like,
0: it wasn't, you know, very
1: impressive.
0: You know. Yeah, it wasn't know, impressive.
1: Thing. Yeah. But Tank, for Tank to be knocking these guys out, I mean, even though he has deficiencies too now, I mean, him just walking in with the high guard and stuff ain't ain't going to beat everybody. That's not going to win everything. You know what I'm saying? He got to show more than that. But maybe, I don't know, I just feel like he just can't rely on that always. Cause at some point, it's not going to be
0: enough, you know. Like, he gonna have to show something else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I I just saw like for for Ryan Garcia, I just saw too many openings there that you know if if Luke Campbell was more aggressive, uh, he would have been able to take advantage of those things. Like exactly. And the thing was is like even with that knockdown, like he kind of set up. Garcia with with that punch to the body first, uh, but like if you if you know that, how come you don't set more traps against them? Because if he if you're supposed to be the one that has the you know the more experience, then why not use that against them? You know, do some tricks on them, like you know if you have to be rough against rough them, or you know just try to fake them out, give them things. You know, because like I you said, I mean, um, you know, it looked like Ryan Garcia was very straightforward in a, in a good amount of that fight. So you know, they kind of like left them open to the counter shots, and left them open to the jabs. Like he was getting hit with uh, some, you know, serious jabs there when uh, Luke Campbell was, you know, throwing the jab. But I don't know, man. I I, I kind of you know, kind of uh, felt like. You know, Ryan Garcia was going to get the win, and I felt like he was going to get the knockout. And you know, I talked with a lot of um, a good number of uh, fight fans from the UK. Course, going into that bout. they're like, "Oh, Campbell's going to do this. He's going to school him and everything like that." And I was like, "Man, I was like, I'm telling you, like Ryan Garcia is going to knock knock Luke Campbell out." And the the couple of days leading into the bout and even when they were going through the, the pre-fight instructions with the referee, right? I'm looking at Luke Campbell and I'm like, he just didn't look like he was going in there like to, you know, steal something from Demetrius Andre uh, a couple of weeks ago. He didn't look like he was going in there to really like, really, really win and will really do something to Ryan Garcia. It it just didn't seem like he had that type of confidence. He was saying it, but he surely didn't look. It was a completely different contrast to like when um a boy uh Kubrat cool Pulev was coming into that fight with N.T. Joshua. Like, champion. Me, I win. Champion. You know? I didn't see that
1: yep. from Luke Campbell, man. So you didn't see him do what now?
0: I didn't. I didn't see him like outwardly give out the confidence like he was going to go into this fight like he was going to win it. Yep, yep. And I, I it just looked like he was looking timid a lot, and that like. Like, if you're going to get in there and you're going to, like, be there to, you know, get a check, I mean, that's one thing, but, like, he just felt like he was real timid uh, going into that fight, and maybe it kind of showed there a little bit in this fight, because once you score that knockdown, like, you mean to tell me that you couldn't really do something to try to set it up again, or, you know, have uh, Ryan Garcia in some serious trouble? Like, you know, after that knockdown, did you feel like Ryan Garcia, like, was put in serious
1: trouble after that? I mean, yeah. Because it was, like you said, it was definitely there. I mean, the way he set it up the first time, I'm sure he couldn't do that again, but he definitely touched him after that. So, I see. you.
0: Yeah, I, I, I was just like, eh, like. Even and and the thing with Luke Campbell was, it's like you know that you you've had these opportunities, you you could have, you know, been a world champion, but you fell short uh, on a couple of occasions. So here's your shot to kind of put yourself in position to fight for a world title once again. So you know, you know what's on the line there, and you kind of like, I just didn't feel like he he gave you know the effort that you probably would have expected from someone of his caliber to uh, give towards Ryan Garcia uh, after like the, you know, the fourth and the fifth round. Like what, after the fifth round, I just felt like, okay, it's it's about, it's getting closer to where Ryan Garcia is going to, you know, um, overwhelm Luke Campbell. And then he basically got him with the same body shot that Canelo Alvarez hit, uh, Liam Smith with, <laughs> and basically almost folded them up with it. You know what I mean?
1: Um, yeah, as uh, I said, look, that look awfully familiar. Yeah,
0: like it, it just looked like the punch that Nello Alvarez gave to Liam Smith to put Liam Smith down to the canvas, and Liam Smith couldn't get up from that. And and you know, um, you know, like you're saying, like Luke Campbell just was down there on the canvas and. He just looked and he was like, "Should I get up? Should I get up?" And he just didn't get up, you know, like I he didn't want to take the most punishment. <laughs> yeah, oh well, yeah, he basically got up in a count of nine or whatever it is, and it's like, yeah, I don't feel like I want it. to take as much punishment
1: or whatever it is.
0: That's what it looked like to me. Oh yeah, I, th-
1: I think you I know. think
0: I've had enough. <laughs> You're like, right, I'm sad, yeah. I mean. It's real. That's real. Sometimes you you know when you had enough. Yep. And yeah, he basically had that going down, man. Um, so yeah, like I was saying, you know, Ryan Garcia there, you know, still unbeaten, uh registers his uh eighteenth uh KO victory uh there and just, you know, moves ahead. He should be uh, in position to, you know, either, you know, fight for a world title, which I doubt is going to happen next or you know like i said i'll uh, be uh going up against the likes of a uh, um Jorge Linares uh there before you know fighting for a world title which i think should happen um like what, like do you like uh put Ryan Garcia like below the we already said that you know tank pretty much washes him but do you like put uh Ryan Garcia there like you know below you know, the other young contenders there at lightweight or champions there, you got Lopez, you got Devin Haney. Um, you know, who else is out there? No. He had, like, that contender there, George Cambosas, who could end up fighting uh, Teofimo Lopez, but I don't know, man. I, I ain't really impressed by that dude um, either, so. so like, we, we like, potentially uh, have uh, Ryan Garcia in the lightweight division.
1: Um so machine will only accept credit cards. Uh it's hard to say with with Devin Haney cuz again I haven't watched many of his fights, but definitely behind Javante Davis. That that's that I know for sure. Um give me some other fighters that that I'm comparing him against now.
0: So you got the unified champ Teofimo Lopez. Um Vasyl Lomachenko, they say that he's going to stay at lightweight, and it looks like they're trying to push for the rematch between him and Teofimo Lopez. Um, you have Jorge Linares, you have Javier Fortuna. Um, who else is out there?
1: He's definitely
0: uh, behind uh, Lomachenko as well. Yeah, okay, so he's behind Lomachenko. So, um
1: other guys that, that
0: are like ranked at lightweight are like former champ Lee Selby, George Kambosis, who, you know, ended up beating Lee Selby. Um Oh, well, they ain't going to have him. <laughs> they, they ain't going to have him fight Masayoshi Nakatani. <laughs> Even though that would be a good little, that might be a
1: good action fight right there, though. <laughs> Remind me what happened in that last fight. Huh? Verdejo Remind me what Nakatani? happened in Nakatani. Oh, he won. Got you, got you. Yeah, they probably won't have him fight him either. You're right. But that's a fight I think he could potentially win because, like, as long as he could, his win ain't terrible, he could win the fight. Yeah. Because he would throw heavy shots and Nakatani would just just, just take shots, which at some point Nakatani's armor won't be able to accept that. Just very much like – Provodnikov. Like, Provodnikov could absorb it early, but Provodnikov still pissing blood. I already know he is. <laughs>
0: yeah. And that's
1: why we haven't seen him fight because I'm sure that man is in trouble. You know what I'm saying? Like, I know Provodnikov <laughs> is, like, in bad shape right now because that's, that's exactly what he did. He took them shots and um never blocked, never protected himself.
0: Yeah, none of that. Or, or um... You know, the guy that, that was part of the, you know, the fight of the year uh, last year, Ivan Baranchet. Like, oh, yeah. He was taking yep. a lot of shots, man. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing you got to watch out with uh, Nagatani. I mean, he does have length, but he leaves himself open a lot. So, you know, while he could, you know, connect with a few shots on the Ryan Garcia, would, would he be able to take those power shots from Ryan Garcia? I don't know much about that, so um, that, that's, pretty much, that, uh, that's pretty much what's up, there, up there right, right, now.
1: right now. And that's the fight. That's the type of fight Garcia wants. Somebody who just sit there and take all them big shots. Like yes and no, because the thing about him, the wild card about him, is his will. Like obviously, you can tell he he harnesses inner samurai, and you know he, he Japanese, right? Yeah. Yeah. He harnessed his inner samurai. I don't want to be too insensitive. But, uh, he harnessed his inner death, death, uh, samurai, and, you know, like, the man is a warrior. But, shoot, as long as as long as long you can get rid of that wild card of him taking a bunch of shots and enduring and, and like, doing exactly the same way that he did against the other guy, where he, mm-hmm. like, was like, I'm still here, you know, to undertake what well, he did to Undertaker pretty much. And, you know, was nothing else that – um. The other fighter could do at that point, as long as that doesn't happen, and Ryan Garcia can just tee off on him in like two, three rounds straight, he'll be okay. Yeah,
0: you, Actually, can probably you four be Four or five
1: rounds, it'd probably be like four or five rounds.
0: Yeah, I would say so. Like, uh, I think with um, what is it, Nakatani? Um, If he gets knocked down, I think with Brian Garcia, he'll probably either do
1: what's needed to, you know, finish him or whatnot. Speaking to that point, if Brian Garcia knocks him down, the ref would come in and stop the fight to make sure that there won't be any confusion of what will happen on the later fight. Like, what will end up happening is he'll knock him down two, three times, and the ref will be like, all right, wave it off, wave it off, wave it off. You know, uh, Golden Boy will be like, all right, we don't want no more fighting. Like, uh, he, he got knocked down three times in the fight. So
0: he would win yeah, the fight by knocking the knockout but they would but there would still be a lot more fights left. Yeah, that definitely could happen too in in that case with uh you know the likes of um, Ryan Garcia. But I, I, I just don't feel like um but well, I don't see if uh, Nakatani is completely there with top rank, but you know, they probably wanna see if they can have something in place for Nakatani later this year. I'm just not sure um, who would be against, because I have no idea who else is out there at lightweight for top rank. Um, I don't know if they'll probably have Nakatani against Richard Comey to have him um, you know potentially get another world title shot or something. Like that, who knows? Um... You know, there were like a couple of other fights that were on there. Um, it were two brothers, uh, that had world titles at the same time Felix and Rene Alvarado. And, um, the co feature bout had everything with Rene Alvarado against Roger Gutierrez. And this was a, uh, bout that happened, you know, that happened, uh, earlier, man. Um, you know, they had fought back in 2017 and it was an uh, eight-round fight and Roger Gutierrez was uh, there at 15-0-1 going against someone that was like, they already had eight losses and he ended up getting knocked out in the seventh round. And Yo, know, this is somebody in um, Rene Alvarado that lost to Yuri Orkis Gabo back in 2017 and he was able to build a winning streak in order to get a world title shot against Andrew Cancio, and he was able to beat Andrew Cancio in a, I guess it was proverbially called, or subsequently called, the Loser Leaves Golden Boy match, or something like that, because with Andrew Cancillo losing, Golden Boy ended up dropping him, man. Yo, that's cold, son. Um, But like he was involved in a, you know, in a bout here with Alvarado and Gutierrez. This is after his uh, brother Felix Alvarado got a his victory, and Gutierrez was the guy that wasn't the better boxer, but he had the he had more power, and he knocked down Alvarado twice in round three. Um, and I thought that it was going to be, you know, trouble for uh, Rene Alvarado after that. But Rene Alvarado got, you know, back into it. I pretty much felt like he was winning the fight. And then he goes into the last round and he leaves himself open. And he got caught with like a grazing shot to his hand while going forward. And he trips and goes down, you know, with one, uh, you know, uh, hand down on the canvas. And that ended up being the difference in the fight. Like and he like Alvarado lost by a decision, man, with three scores of one thirteen to one twelve. So if there wasn't a knockdown in that in that round, uh either it would have been a draw or it would have been a unanimous decision for Alvarado if he ended up winning that twelve round. So that's how close that's how racist that it was. Uh yeah, but Gutierrez wins the rematch. Um and I guess, well I I don't know if there's gonna be rematch clause or nothing like that. Uh but maybe there is for, you know, Alvarado, but that's like his ninth professional loss, man. Like he's thirty two and nine and you know, you were able to be a world champ, but you know, still like that's that's kinda tough right there, man. Uh, and this is like you know after you know your brother gets to stop his victory in the in the fight before that man you know um kind of like a tough break but I mean hey it is what it is sometimes
1: how many knock, knockdowns was in that fight it was 3 against um against uh the losing fighter right yeah Mean so pretty much he won the fight. He just got knocked down three times. That's six six, six points right there.
0: Yep. That's six what points. I mean that's uh yeah. That 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 that's tough right. Well that three yeah, that's like yeah, with them three points he lost, he could have had what, three scores of uh one fifteen one thirteen. So it looks like he probably yeah, Alvarado won damn. Well, actually, he won more than um, seven rounds. He won more he won
1: than eight. seven rounds. For him I only lose three rounds and then three more points. He, he won more than seven. He won, like, I didn't think eight. about it. But eight, yeah. He but won eight rounds, but you know, you know, that was you know, it. You know what this fight made me think of? It wasn't the same... Um, Type of fight, or the or the uh, the trajectory, or spirit, or flow of the fight. It wasn't the same fight in this way, but it made yeah. me think of um, the Barbados boy who come on the show. His fight, because he got knocked down three times, but the scores still were decision as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. When like, Kofi real- uh lost, to, uh, you know, to something young buyer, yeah, he had those two knockdowns, you know, but he was fighting his way back, fighting his way back. But just, you know, couldn't get enough, um, you know, rounds in there to get the win overall. But, yeah,
1: but he also had, to, like, three knockdowns too, right? Two or three? Yeah, two.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, right. two. But
1: were, like, you know,
0: what, was like Pretty much
1: three.
0: like the first four rounds or something like that, first four or five rounds. And he just, you know, built his way back, built his way back. But it just wasn't enough. Oh yeah. Yeah, but you know, here with uh you know, the thing with Renee Alvarado, I think they might, you know, end up having a rematch there for that featherweight super featherweight title because the I guess that WBA super champ is supposed to be Tank. And I don't see Tank having his next fight at Super Featherweight. Like he's I don't see like him going down to one thirty again. For a fight, like there's nobody down there where he would wanna, you know, go down to 130 to fight at at this point. So what what may end up happening is he might, you know, um, relinquish that belt and either if they have a rematch here with this Alvarado guy and uh, Gutierrez, that would be for the super title, or they'll see if they can move forward and have a uh, unification with like Gutierrez and uh, Jojo Diaz, um, who's the IBF champ. Um, later this year uh, Jojo Diaz ends up winning his bout. Um, I think it's at the end of this month that he has his fight. Um, they super featherweight, but yeah, outside of that, man, that, that, that pretty much was the, um, the gist of uh what was happening there in in the uh fight card. Um I, I know that they had, you know, one of uh, our um I haven't had her on as a guest. I don't know why I haven't had her on as a guest yet. Uh but Franchon Cruz discerned that, you know, had the um little uh incident with the Alejandra um you know the Alejandra uh chick that you know, had all those substances in her <laughs> for that fight against uh, French on cruise. so uh, she was she she got her belts back um, so that was that fight was declared a no contest but she was in this card, but she wasn't part of the, the zone telecast they actually had her fight on uh, YouTube or something like that which is you know crazy but you know you have someone that's supposed to be a unified champ but you have her on but they
1: like girls
0: on the T V and, and she the one who truly the action pack and had the
1: bit ability to knock somebody out. Who Franchon
0: Cruz? Yeah. Yeah with her style, think- yeah.
1: But you know you know what the
0: you know what the craziest part about this thing is? Was that Franchon Cruz is actually used fairly often in the zone um boxing telecast. Like they use her as one of the commentators in, in, or or You know, or that type of thing. But when she's fighting, like, they don't – I'm like, I don't understand it, man.
1: Well, what I'm saying is they put all these – like, ain't there wrong with them putting the other women? Because I think they should do that to bring, you know, uh, obviously, uh, eyes to the sport. But they put all the other women on the main card or a co-feature. But, you know, French and Cruz can't get, get a spot anywhere, you know? Right. Yeah, because, yeah, man. It's, I don't know. I don't agree with that. But, in... but women's boxing, she one of the styles, and I'm like, man, I I like to watch her fight because you know I know she gonna bring it. She always, even in that fight with uh, Alejandro, um, you know, she um, you know was in it with a fight with a with a, with a man, a woman, but uh, with a with, a, with <laughs> somebody who can't suffer herself. Right.
0: Yeah, and the thing is, it's like you know this has been since her um you know first fight against Clarissa Shields in 2016. Like you know that in in, in the part and the part about it is, is like she's the unified champ there at super middleweight right now, and you need to tell me that they can't like put her in a position to like fight a uh, Christina Hammer or you know anyone else like that in the division. You know,
1: um, that's maybe too much. Um, too much opportunity for upset. Too much. Too much uncertainty for to put her in those fights.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Um, you know, for those that are like listening in right now, or uh, you wanna uh, talk boxing or uh, have your thoughts on what happened the past weekend, call in three four seven two three seven five five three nine. But you know, going back to, you know, what, what you're talking about with Fran Sean Cruz, I mean, like, she could have a fight against Christina Hammer, like, you know, right now. And that would be a unification about there at, um you know, super middleweight. But the thing about it is, it's like, you know, up there in, in that particular weight class, like, um, I'm looking at BoxRec right now. And they have, like, their ratings or whatever it is for that division as super middleweight right now they only have 22 fighters there for that particular division that's it that's it so what I'm trying to figure out how is it that they can't necessarily have you know like a you know Franchon Cruz going up against Christina Hammer who's like probably the you know, not not only the highest rated uh fighter there in the division, but probably the most known fighter in that division. You know what I mean? So why not go ahead and, you know, try to make that fight happen, regardless of where, you know, that fight could be. If you if you want to put your, you know, um support towards, you know, her or, you know, behind her as a as a promotional company then get her in those type of fights. But I, I just feel like, you know, that that Fight that she had against Alejandra, or whatever her name is. I just felt like that was a setup fight. I don't know, yeah, man. But, I, I'll probably, I'll, I'll see if I can get French on on the show, uh, one time and, and see what see what's up. Cause yeah, I just felt like that, yeah, that just didn't look right, uh, when they yeah. initially made that fight. So this is someone in uh, Jimenez that had came down, uh, from, I guess. <laughs> oh, okay, check this out. All right. So with with Alejandra Jimenez in 2017, she was a heavyweight. What's heavyweight in uh in women's boxing? <laughs> Basically unlimited, over 200. Like she was. Oh, in 20, 000. 000. Right. So so. I don't know whether they sanctioned this other about. Anyway, How much so like, yeah,
1: she I'm was off. in How 2017. Much?
0: She was 236 pounds. That's
1: a big girl. Oh boy, a big girl.
0: <laughs> How do you go from 236 pounds to man in one year? Wait, hold up. This, yo, this is crazy. So in under a year, right? If, even in even in boxing standards, I, I I just still can't understand this. Like she went from two hundred and thirty six and a half pounds in August of twenty seventeen to one hundred and seventy six and a half pounds in April of twenty eighteen. Yo yo yo, that's that's yo, that's crazy. Yo, that's some craziness right there, man. Like. I I wouldn't be able to, you know, explain anything like that, yo. Like that that's nuts. That is nuts, yo. But um How long, yeah, was,
1: she campaigned... Wait, how long was she in the tube? Or did she blow up to two because of some, you know, outside?
0: Yeah. So she was actually she started out at one hundred and ninety pounds and then she just got, you know, built up to heavyweight from that. And she she was actually two time champ. She ain't she hadn't lost, so she had been the, the 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 WBC champ. No wonder she hadn't got all of these breaks. She she probably had a partnership with uh with Suleiman or something like that. Something. Yo, but yeah, she she started out at 190 pounds and then went up to 236 and a half pounds. And then back down to 176 and then the fight against Franchon Cruz at like 164. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah, but th- I mean that's that's the yeah that's the situation there with uh with uh um, Cruz and, and you know what? It tells me that they might try to make that fight again. They might. Would you accept that fight if you were Franchon Cruz? If you Hell no. Hell no. If you were no. <laughs>
1: your husband, would you allow your wife to accept that fight again? Because I didn't know
0: her husband was, was, was
1: about that. She was taking some hellacious shots, and she was giving them back, even though it's like shot, shot, shot. The shots she was giving, you know, non affecting like shot, boom, 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 shot, shot. Yeah. You know, non affected, non affected. And and she was taking shots, just like her head was just rolling back, and it was just like wow. She fighting this big girl, and you know, I feel for her, but she she competed the whole way through, but. It's only, you can only give them type of performances one or two times. You can't that can't be sustained activity. Right. Fight somebody two hundred pounds and, and and got the uh muscle mass, the muscle mass, the bone mm-hmm. density to uh yep. be able to absorb that stuff, you know. Yeah,
0: it's just crazy there, man, and and <laughs> but you know, for for that to actually be approved or whatnot, that that just kind of, like, goes into the whole thing about how uh, boxing can be very corrupt and stuff like that, and, like, you know, for, for Franchon to actually accept that fight in the first place is, you know, just says a lot, but, yeah, I, I feel like she just got set up in that one, you know. She definitely got set up in that. Um, But that, that that was, like, the action there on, um, you know, January 2nd. There really isn't much for you know, the next week, um, I know that they have the uh, other fight, um, you know, they're on the 31st there between uh, Kazuda Yoka and Kosei Tanaka, um, where Yoka, you know, got the uh, stoppage victory. He he basically like it was just a it was it was a um, story of the bigger guy beating the smaller guy. That was basically it. It's all it was is Tanaka trying to do the same thing that Kazuto Ioka did earlier, but he was just like Kazuto Yoka. and uh, Tanaka is someone that yeah he kind of like is pretty good, but he left him, he leaves himself open to a lot of shots, and that's that's basically what happened in this fight. He got caught with uh you know right a right hand and a left hook that dropped him, you know, and, and then. It, it happened once again, and and then he once he was down there, um, in the eighth round he got hit with the left hand that made him did the funky right to see the stanky leg, the electric slide, the uh the um uh, the cupid shuffle, um, God, what what other deck of dances out there? Um, yeah, he basically did all of those. The ref stepped in and stopped him out because they didn't want to take any more punishment. So, you know, Kazuliaoka ends up, you know, getting a the win there, man. And um you know, that was, you know, mainly all the action that happened uh this week. Nothing really jumping off uh next weekend. Uh it's like a down weekend. Actually it's gonna be a fairly down weekend for the next couple of weeks. They ain't gonna have uh nothing jumping off until the twenty third where um Oh wow! They're gonna have they're gonna have Rolando Romero fighting uh Justin Paul though. Like Ronaldo Romero's the dude that uh fought Jackson Marines uh in August, and like a lot of people felt like Marines won that bout, but <laughs> they gave him out to Rolly, they call him Rolly, Rolly
1: Romero, and he's there at lightweight. I oh, remember oh, he's not that good. He, he shouldn't. He shouldn't. He should not put his name in conjunction with anybody else. He he's not that good. <laughs> like he's not even better oh, than yo Shane Mosley Jr. Before Shane Mosley Jr. went on uh, Contender, I don't think he's better yeah. than Shane Mosley Jr. before he went on Contender. He's not hey. even better than that. <laughs> and
0: the thing is, is like yo, this, like all of the, the the guys that are um you know talked about as far as like young contenders. Whether it's you know, they're they're uh lightweight or super featherweight or whatever it is. Um they kinda like put Rolly Romero as the as the stepchild. You know what I'm saying? They just rejected they put him off to the side like he ain't like he ain't nothing. And <laughs> like <laughs> I found it funny that like there were actually some people after the Ryan Garcia fight say that Ryan Garcia didn't talk about Roland Romero like like Romero is somebody that Ryan Garcia <laughs> fears or something like that. Like like dude,
1: like, that's the fight that he probably should take.
0: From a marketable standpoint, yeah, I wouldn't mind that at all. Like, there's probably a there's probably some people out there that feel like they want to see Roly Romero get beat up or something. <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't see that uh, as being a. Um, I, I, I just don't see that uh, fight happening, though. But <laughs> Roly Romero, yeah, he's going to be fighting in the next couple weeks against. Um, oh, who do they got against who he got fighting? Justin Paul, though. Yeah, he ain't ranked. I know he ain't ranked. So tells me he ain't ranked. Let's see. Justin Paul Doe. They check all of the rankings there in the lightweight division. Uh, nope. I don't see him in there. Um, let's see. Justin Paul Doe. Super featherweight. Nope. He's not in there. Uh, <laughs> yo. I don't know. Maybe they'll put him in the rankings later on down the line. Who knows, man? But, yo he's going to be in that this um card with the Super band-a-weight title on the line um Stephen Fulton against Angelo Leo um that fight was supposed to happen last year but Fulton got you know uh, signed line by for by, for uh COVID-19 um so Angelo Leo had a uh, bout in the interim uh he was able to get a win over Tremaine Williams to win the WBO Super Bantamweight title. Uh, so now he's going to be going up against, uh, you know, Stephen Fulton. And kind of like is a funny um, funny little division to me because the that title got vacated by um, Emmanuel Navarrete, who moved up to lightweight, I mean not lightweight, featherweight. And Mick Conlon moved down from featherweight to Super Bantamweight in order to, I guess, in order to maybe try to fight for that world title, and I think Al Haven made some phone calls since he they they, they recognize the WBO now he made some phone calls, and he made that fight between uh initially between Leo and Fulton for the vacant title, um, but still, you know now he still has way he could have his hands on the WBO title so, um. Yeah, that that super banner weight division is uh you know kind of um kind of uh weird there to me, but I, I think with uh Stephen Fulton he, he might be able to get the win on that. Um other things that are going on, uh I think I feel like we're gonna have a, a um decision on what is gonna happen with this thing between um Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. I think that's going to happen within the next couple of weeks. One of the things that I like, kind of heard is now I finally heard from Shelly Finkel. And it, like, ever since like all this stuff about a potential rematch and Tyson Fury possibly fighting in December and all of this stuff going back and forth between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder and and, and Bob Arum, he never heard anything from Shelly Finkel out of all that time. Never heard something from Shelly Finkel until earlier this week. And he feels like you know, the, the whole thing with the uh, mediation still going on and, and that type of stuff. And I just feel like the fight may end up happening. But my reasoning behind that is more of a money and a scheduling standpoint than the whole thing about something about you know this whole contracting happening there. Um, like for one, I kind of like I said this earlier. I said, look, you had the uh, that fight between those two on February twenty second last year. That was a joint pay per view. You think that Disney is going to allow to have potential? Um, millions of dollars be kind of like thrown out the window because that fight's not happening I I just don't like I don't believe that they would just go ahead and let that go I I, I just don't believe that also the other thing with Tyson Fury is he has a contract with a joint contract with ESPN and Top Rank and his five fights I haven't seen anything in reference to an extension yet. So he has two fights left on that contract. Now, they could t- say any all they want about potentially having a fight between him and Anthony Joshua, but that fight, I think that there may be more um, obstacles trying to make that fight or complete that fight than having something happen in between Fury and Wilder. So they want to see if they could go ahead and have that, that uh, third fight first before, you know, potentially having a fight between Fury and Joshua. Because I think that there's going to be more um, uh, logistics, more logistic problems with the Fury-Joshua fight than with a uh, Fury-Wilder fight. Because if it's going to be Fury versus Joshua, nine times out of ten, it's either going to be in the U.K., or it's going to be somewhere in in like the middle east or something like that. It's not going to be in the US. And I think that's another part of the the contract too with um with Fury and Top Rank is that he's locked down in the US as well for those fights. So I'm not sure if he could really go ahead and have a fight outside of the US at least not yet. So um yeah i feel like um yeah fury versus wilder three it it I, I feel like it's leaning towards happening probably sometime next month like what is that uh february twenty nah february um twenty hold up twenty seven i say maybe around february twenty seventh that you'll you'll that's when the fight is going to end up happening. And we're going to find out within the next couple of weeks. That's what I, that's what I say. What's your thoughts about the whole ordeal there, Mike?
1: Um, so they are still going through arbitration to see when they're going to fight. And you just pretty much said that it makes sense for them to go ahead and get this fight out of the way. Um, before they try to patronize the Joshua-Tyson fight. Yeah. I mean, my thoughts are um, it'd be interesting to see how Tyson Fury fights and how the skill level becomes again when all intents and purposes tells me that it'll be. A fair match, you know, like in terms of people keeping an eye out for any type of foul play, and and will his power be back to what it was? Um, and and it's two parts of that that I would look at because, I mean, if you look at the lab, the first Deontay Wilder fight, uh, there were times toward the end of the match, round nine and later, where Tyson Fury did use his size, and he was kind of like uh, bullying Wilder, which I'm almost positive they had to look at that and be like, shit, when you weren't, when you weren't afraid and you press forward, you actually will you know beating the guy. Real stuff. That that's exactly what was happening. Um but when you have a three hundred and fifty pound, three hundred and sixty pound man, six nine, six six nine, six eight, who hits you with his um his fist with little to no pattern, it's hard to compete with that. So, you know, I'm just interested to see how the third fight is going to turn out where there will be scrutiny on cheating
0: um, and to see
1: if it gets back more even. And I hope, Wilder, man, I just really hope that for this next fight, for this, you know, upcoming fight, that he get back to the basics of, like, jabbing because he's exponentially, he's exponentially a better fighter when he jabs. And when he doesn't jab, you know, that's when he go rounds where Louis Ortiz is winning the fight, but then he just clips him. Where Gerald Washington is, you know, competitive, and people think Gerald Washington is winning the fight, but he have rounds where Gerald, Gerald Washington is competitive, where Louis Ortiz is winning the whole fight, and then he got to clip him at the end. You know, I just hope he get back to jabbing and doing using his feet, because how I saw him used to fight to how he's fighting now is just like he he's normalized into being flat-footed. And he used to use his feet more. He used to use his arm fighting more. Like, look at the first Luis Ortiz fight. Like, you know, I support Wilder on many different levels. Um, I didn't I didn't end up watching that replay of the fight, because, I, I mean, personally speaking... Me being a fan, it's hard to watch that fight. It's real, real, real stuff. I'm not going to lie. It's really hard for me to watch that fight. Um, When I was watching it, I was in Italy and I was watching the fight. It was tough for me to watch it. It was people talking shit to me. And I, you know, I was having to tell myself not to get upset because I'm like, (laughs) you know. I'm used to talking shit in sports, but it's just like. Like, why be an asshole? Like, why why say this now? You know what I'm saying? Why why me? You know, that's what I ask myself. Why me? <laughs> why talk crap to me, you know? But, um, you know, you got to give credit what credit due. if it's definitely a legit win. I just hope, while to get back to the basics, man, I hope that whoever they bring in will remind him his strength, which is his jab, which is his arm fight. You six fucking seven feet tall. You got a seventy-eight inch wingspan. Use your arms to keep people away from you. Use your feet to, you know, get separation. It's just like he got to use his strength, and and I hope he uses strength. I just hope he get back to the basics and use his strength because, yeah, man, he becomes he becomes that championship pedigree fighter when he uses strength. He uses length. He uses his movement, you know, he jab. I just I just really hope he get back to it, you know, like I hope also that having a crack in your skull, you know, isn't isn't uh life threatening such that, you know, like he get hit one time and then all his faculties just kind of, you know, just go go to shit, you know, I just hope he okay. So I think,
0: he's, I think he's fine. I think he's fine with that. He wouldn't he wouldn't be he wouldn't be um I don't feel like he would be cleared to, you know, compete in any capacity if there was like any serious damage towards his uh cranium or anything like that. But you 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 talked about like him i guess getting back to basics or or something to a certain extent. Um For me, and you pointed out like the first the first Ortiz fight that he had over at the Barclays Center, uh, March twenty eighteen. You know, I, I attended that, and that that fight to me kind of like showed how much reliant he was with his power hand. Like he didn't use his jab, but one of the things you kind of said with Wilder that he does was that he, he puts his left hand out or he paws with his left hand, right? So that's what he basically has been doing. He's been pawing with that left hand, pawn, 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 pawn. Either he'll, he'll like, kind of like chop it down. He'll chop down. And when he chops down, he opens up, you know, his opponent to come, come down the pipe with the right hand. But, By doing that, he doesn't work on his jab or be more aggressive with his jab. Now, there have been the first where he's kind of done that. There's first when he does that. He's he's jabbed to the body. Like, he does jab to the body. He's done that against Tyson Fury in, in the two fights. He's done that. It's just that I don't know what it is. It's like he he's not as confident in his hooks like throwing the left or right hook he's not he's not that confident in throwing those against against opponents because the especially in the second fight like the second fight he he allowed Tyson Fury to get up close to lean on him to wrap the arm around and, and that type of thing and 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 it, it ended up wearing him down. So he needs I feel like he has to work on this inside game a lot because um, if, if I mean, going off the second fight, if you're going to have Tyson Fury leaning on you and grabbing you and leaning on you, and grabbing on you, you're going to have to do something for him to stop doing that. Like if he's going to go inside, you're going to have to send him a message that says, all right, you want to go inside against me? This is what I got for you. Left hook to the body, right hook to the body, left uppercut, right uppercut. I'm going to go over the top, Something, you know, um, because otherwise Tyson Fury's just going to, you know, walk you down, do a lot of things, do a double step before throwing a jab, you know, that type of thing. Um, and he, I feel like he got to work on that in order to, you know, have more success against Tyson Fury because throwing the jab to the body. Is always a great weapon against pretty much like anybody. And for one thing, if if, if Fury stands tall, then yeah, a punch to the body is gonna be available to you, you know, all day. But here's another thing, and this kind of goes to what happened yesterday, right? When Luke Campbell set up Ryan Garcia, he set him up with a jab to the body and then an overhand punch. Wilder could do that same thing. He could be successful, get into the body, get into the body, get into the body, and then try to do something to faint to the body and then come over the top. Boom! He could do that, you know. Um, and I also, he got to he got to do something about working on defense because putting your hands up like that 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 just doesn't work. Like either you're gonna have to you know, see about, you know, either parrying the jab or, you know, moving your head a little bit, you know, rolling with the punch, something. You know what I mean? Like, because him getting hit with those jabs, like, it was just... Like, it, it just didn't look good to me, man. And the thing about
1: it, he put his hands up and he don't look... He don't look at the jab, like, Floyd Mayweather do a good job of uh, keeping an eye on what's going on in every scenario, in most every scenario. Like, which is why he's able to not get caught by crazy stuff. Sometimes he gets caught, but 70, 80% of the time, he don't get caught by Eric's shots because he's looking. Yeah. Yeah, man.
0: It's – Yeah, with with Floyd, it's kind of like a a stance thing and and with with his stance, it it makes like the nanoseconds be the difference from a punch landing and a punch not landing. So with him, he kind of leans back, so to speak, and he has like his front, he has like his front foot, like his left foot, pretty much like way ahead of his right. So you only have like a little bit of area that you could basically hit with Floyd Mayweather. So if you're going to like open up with a jab, he could just do a pull counter with the right because all you have is just one side of the body that basically hit off Floyd Mayweather. And he has that distance too with his, uh, you know, with his, uh, um, his reach advantage. Like he had a crazy reach advantage, particularly at 135 and 140, that, you know, a lot of those guys there in that weight class, didn't have anywhere near the type of reach that compared to Floyd. But another, you know, fighter there, like in heavyweight, was like Mike Tyson. When he had his guard, he had his high guard, but he also bobbed and weaved. And he had his hands up, but he did that from an offensive standpoint because when he has his hands up, his jab gets to his target a little bit faster than if he had his guard a little bit down and a little bit back. So, he had his guard up, bob and weave, bob and weave, jab, jab, hook, and everything like that. So, I feel like with Wilder, he he has to do something to modify his defensive skill to, you know, adjust to what Tyson Fury does. Because Fury just gives um, opponents different looks with the way that he, like, kind of jabs and, and, and the way he positions himself. You know?
1: Yeah, I think Robert so. would be most effective with a style not exactly like Larry Holmes, but using foot movement to as as your defense most of the time and, you know, jabbing and then throwing a quick one two when it's time to. Knowing when to throw the hook, stuff like that, but you know, keep it simple, jabbing one two, um and then just using the foot movement. But that means he gotta Get back out there and sprint and be able to. At one point in time, I was like Wilder's, you know, endurance and win was probably one of the better ones in the division. Now, I would question if he conversion to to um, Anthony Joshua's win.
0: Well, in in that in that instance, it's kind of both for Joshua and Wilder. Feel like that was then due to weight like with with Joshua when he you know when he's above like two forty five plus or whatever it is, like you can't you can't like be like that and be all bulked up with with Wilder, he's like kind of been around that two seventeen to two twenty three type of range, but against fury in February, he was two hundred and thirty one pounds like when has he you know had that type of weight in a fight? you know, hardly if ever. So, you know, while he was, like, kind of, like, you know, lumbering and moving one, basically with the footwork, one, two, one, two, one. Like, he can't do that, um, you know, because you're basically giving your opponent a good target, and he doesn't really have to make much of an effort to cut off the ring against you because you're not necessarily – having the energy, you know, to move around the ring to give him a different look or to have a reset. So when you're backing up a lot and you're not moving sideways, you're basically doing the job for him. So I feel like he has to, you know, also work on that as well. Um, Hopefully he's not, you know, um, some people kind of like feel like he's, um, I guess what like enjoying enjoying the life, you know, having a, you know, increased salary or that type of thing or increased uh, purse, you know, after the, you know, um first fight and the after the after those fights. So, I don't know, but we'll see uh here. Like I said, I feel like the third fight is going to likely end up happening uh by the end of February of this year. I know that some people may say that that um they want to like see if they can wait it out to have more uh, potentially see if more people could attend in a venue or something like that. But I, I don't feel like that's going to happen anytime soon. So if you're going to go ahead and, you know, have a fight, just go ahead and have it. If you got to have, you know, put it in Texas, put it in Texas, or do something with it because uh, I know that they – had like um what is it sixteen and a half to seventeen million dollars um from the gate last year, but you're not gonna get that this time around. So don't I wouldn't really try to you know worry about all that. Just go ahead, have this pay per view thing go down, put it over in Texas or whatnot, and just you know get it get it cracking.
1: Yep. So one of your points, you know, they say it's hard to uh, – what's his name? The um, – I I got his face in my head. He got a circular basketball-shaped head. But it's hard to get up and do 4 a.m. runs when you're getting out of bed and sit pajamas.
0: So you mean not, not the round mouth, Charles Barkley?
1: No, no, no. Uh, the boxer who fought oh. uh, Sugar Ray. I, I'm tripping. I forget his name. I got his face in my head. Her, uh, Harold um, –
0: Hegler, Marvin oh, Hegler said. Yeah, Marvin Hegler, yeah. Yep, that's true. That is true. You know, we we it's one thing when you're hungry to, to to get that stuff, but once you do get that stuff, are you still having that same hunger? No, no. Um, and that's the thing I I have to see what what would happen with the um with the uh, Deontay Wilder because. I feel like there's like a lot. There's a lot of fights that he could still be involved in, regardless if he ends up fighting Tyson Fury or not. Um, but I just think that, you know, there's just so much it feels like there's a lot on the line if he does fight Tyson Fury, uh, for a third time. So uh he gotta be on the ball uh if he wants to be able to get out uh there with the win uh against Tyson Fury. Uh, if the fight happens, yeah, um, that's pretty much uh, most of what I could, you know, go over here in this particular podcast, man. Uh, like I said, there really isn't anything jumping off uh, next uh, next Sunday, so um, you know we'll see about you know getting back at it for the podcast on the tenth um, and see what's happening with the uh, box news uh, around the around the uh, nation around the world there. But uh, big shout out to uh, Mike Grady for. Uh, coming in here for this particular podcast, and like I said, we'll be back at it uh next week. Um, and yeah, that that pretty much uh, covers it, man. Uh, so uh, like I say at the end of every show, um, when the is hit, like a hit, I have to stay in the trade. On that note, folks, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody.